Welcome to the Improv in Practice podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Wilson, bringing you interviews, inspiration, and information on improvised theater with Synergy Theater. You can find Synergy Theater's classes, workshops, performances, and more at synergytheater.com. That's S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y theater.com. Okay, lights down, curtain up. Hello, friends and improvisers. It is March 5th, 2023, as I record this. I can't wait to share this interview with you. Not only do we have Valerie Regalia, creator and director of Synergy Theater's upcoming show, The Mating Game, Ken Adams, artistic director of Synergy Theater, also joins us. We talk about the fun and surprising parts of the new show, Valerie's debut as a director, and how the Synergy Theater players improvise a compelling story no matter the format. Synergy Theater's The Mating Game will be on stage April 13th through the 23rd, and tickets are available now at SynergyTheater.com. Okay, on to the interview. Valerie Regalia and Ken Adams in the same room-ish on Zoom. I am so happy to be sitting here with two of you. Now, Valerie Jord uh, texted me late today and said, I have to work late. I'm going to miss it. Mm. And so I was like, oh, no, it's not going to be the same without you, but I will do my best. So we're going to miss Valerie J for the duration of the interview. I'm, I'm very sorry to say, but Valerie Regalia, I want to hear what happened in your mind when you had the spark of inspiration for the mating game. Can you take us back in time as to when that, <laughs> when that occurred in your head? I would like all the details. Oh yeah. That happened a very long time ago. That show was first created for our online productions. So that was when the COVID-19 pandemic hit and it stopped our onstage productions. And we decided we would try out the format of performing over Zoom and our lovely artistic director, Ken, here asked for people to come forward with ideas, any ideas for shows. We were brainstorming what shows might work in the format of a Zoom. I think it all started because one of my favorite short form games when I first started doing improv a long time ago in high school was the dating game, short form game. I loved that game when I did short form. I just thought I'd love to to play with that in the long form genre. and it just clicked for the, for the zoom. I thought we need a show where people are sitting stationary and we only really need to see their faces. And Ken, when Valerie brought that idea to you, what was your first thought? Well, I also always enjoyed that short form game, but of course what Synergy Theater wants to do is improvise full length plays and tell stories. So as soon as Valerie started explaining the concept to me, she made it clear how this short form game can really be used just as a shell for a, a full length play that takes place within the world of this dating game. And it just immediately seemed brilliant to me to create a world in which you know, life is a dating game TV show. And that metaphor was so overpowering that I thought there, there has to be a play in there. And it translated so, so well to the Zoom format and it was highly entertaining. So I, I know there had to have been surprises that you both encountered as this format 
developed on Zoom. So Valerie, what was one thing that you were surprised about right away? I guess I was just so surprised that it worked so well. I think what really surprised me through our, because we rehearse our shows, we, we practice to make sure that we can put on a show that is worth watching for our, our audience. And I think what was surprised me in the rehearsal process for that show was how much we really can do a serious story here and how we can really tell a full play through that. And what about you, Ken? What would you say? Same question. Well, the big question, of course, was can the interaction between the data and the contestants, which has the form of questions and answers, can we make those into scenes that actually tell stories and have the characters go through all of the dramatic changes that a good scene in a play requires? And the delightful surprise was, yeah, we really can. We can maintain this question and answer structure, but in fact, be acting out a hypothetical scene from a relationship. And just the the way that worked on both levels, I found surprising and delightful how we could be playing the game, but also living the relationship at the same time. How has the experience that you had online with the mating game informing you as you bring the show now to the in-person format? Well, first of all, just to be very clear, Valerie Regalia conceived of, created, and directed the show. She created the online version, and she's making all of the wonderful adaptations as we take it to the stage. One of the biggest eye-opening moments for me was when Valerie was first talking to me about her vision for the stage. And because, you know, in the real dating game on TV, the dater does not see the contestant, they're hidden. And when we did it on Zoom, we we kind of kept that in place. But in fact, we really saw each other. We just pretended that we didn't because we were on Zoom and it didn't really matter. As we were looking forward to bringing it onto stage, my original understanding of it was that the data would not see the contestants and we would have some type of divider between us or something. But Valerie's idea from the very beginning was that, no, we're just going to do away with that. The the contestants and the data will see each other and it just won't matter. And I have to admit at first that didn't resonate with me and I, I thought something important would be missing, but as soon as we started rehearsing it, and uh, you just remember the the power of actually looking at somebody on stage and interacting with them, I, I realized how wrong I was and what a wonderful idea that it was to do that. The show would have been very much less than it's going to be if we had maintained this thing where we could not see each other. And so I, I realized just at that point, just to give up any preconceptions that I had from what we did on Zoom or what was happening in the 70s on the dating game show and just kind of give everything over to Valerie's vision, which is really quite brilliant, I think. Wonderful. And so Valerie, what was it about your experience online that made you change your mind? Why did you decide, oh, they're just going to see each other? Well, I have to to say that that transforming the show from the online to the in-person I didn't know necessarily where it would lead when when transitioning. I knew that we would we'd have to play around with it a little bit. I, I wasn't planning on getting rid of that element until I really considered the stage and trying to put a partition there and then thinking, wait a minute, if if there's a partition there, we won't be able to see each other. There are improv games where maybe we don't see each other and that can be interesting. But 
for our show, so much is just really about looking your fellow improviser in the eyes and having an experience with them. And I think it what really made the change is that the online show was like one 45 minute act. And this is two 45 minute acts. This is a much longer show. This is a real play. We really needed to expand it in order to do that. You have to tell deeper stories and you have to really dive into relationships. And I just thought, I don't think we want to work with that limitation. I think we need to, to have that be open more. So that's really what made the shift. This isn't really going to be the dating game. This is going to take the format of the dating game and kind of the fun and the, the, the setting of the dating game, but this is not short form. And this is not that original TV show, the dating game. You have such an awesome sense of where a story can and should go, Valerie. I've really enjoyed watching you on stage on several occasions. So to me, this seems like a natural progression for you. I'm not sure if you have had directing experience prior to this, but for me as an audience member, this makes perfect sense. What are you hoping to accomplish here? Well, first of all, Sarah, thank you so much. That's very kind of you. I don't have any directing experience before this. This is my first time directing, although I, I have helped out as a kind of co-instructor for some improv classes before. I've always enjoyed thinking critically about improv and what it is that tells a good story and what we can take as improvisers to help our audience engage more in a show. That's always been so intriguing to me. And I think Ken can vouch for when we talk through a performance or a rehearsal Afterwards, I have so much to say every time because I think about it a lot. What I'm hoping to experience with this show and directing it and also being a performer in it at the same time is just seeing what I don't think about normally because I think about a lot of things, but now that I'm directing, I see there's so much more that I have to consider and already has started to really help me just better understand what it is that makes improv good and what it is to tell a story and to make it presentable for an audience. And Ken, what unique opportunities do you think that this format will provide you and the other players? Something that I'm always interested in as a storyteller is the metaphor of the show. So to some extent, I like to think that all plays are a metaphor suggesting that this world we're creating is a metaphor for the life we know out there and what you're going to see. Our characters experience here are life lessons that you can take away into the real world. And sometimes those are more or less pronounced, but this show, like I already mentioned, the whole concept is a metaphor. Life is a game show. And here is a play a story about someone looking for love and we're going to watch them have three relationships and then ultimately end up with the person they hope will be with them for the rest of their lives. So we get to analyze or inspect the the way human beings relate to each other and seek out who they hope will be their life partner through the various rounds of this game, which reflect the rounds of the way we actually date in the real world. So the the introduction round, the first date round, and the getting to know you round, and the things are getting serious round. Like the whole thing is constructed so that it 
emulate a full relationship. So by the end of the play, even though they never leave the set of the game show, you get the feeling that you watch these people go through these many month long relationships and result with the final decision. So I think that's very innovative and very exciting. Another innovation that Valerie brought to the show, which is different than the Zoom show, is that on the Zoom show, the whole thing was literally the game show. The host would host the show and we did the show and then there was a winner at the end. Uh, in this show, we take commercial break. So there are times we never leave the set of the game show, but there are times where we stop filming the show and other action happens. So we get to introduce some other characters like the, the production assistant and other characters who make surprise appearances from the wings. So that also adds some breadth and depth to it, which um, was fun and surprising when Valerie introduced that. Are you taking cues or little aspects from the dating game show. Are you weaving those into this one? Well, we are incorporating elements from it. It is supposed to be evocative of that show. So from the set to the way that we ask the questions at the very beginning, anybody who's watching it, if they're familiar at all with the dating game show, I think they'll recognize it. The first round of questions is that sort of lighthearted, flirtatious, kind of questions that they had on that show. And the show was set in the 70s. We are in costume and the set design is intended to be of that same era. It's almost as if this is an alternate reality version of the dating game. But this alternate reality, <laughs> you're signing over your whole life to be with this person. And it's not just you go on a date at the end. It should be very similar. People should get the idea that this is that show from the 70s, but with a twist. During the last rehearsal, something that occurred to me as I was improvising in the show was there was a certain surreal feeling to it, a certain dreamlike quality to it, almost as if someone was in the middle of three different relationships, wondering who they were going to end up with, the pros and cons of all of them, went to bed that night and had a dream that they were a contestant on the dating show. But mm -hmm. like dreams do, it's not exactly what is in the real world, but it changes and morphs in the dream into something that makes perfect sense in the dream. But of course, when you compare it to the way real life works, it wouldn't work. But in the dream, it makes sense. And that's what being in this show is like, it's like, this is my life as if I'm dreaming about it one night and I'm dreaming that I'm on the dating game. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's that's a great way to put it, Ken. I've been thinking of it like a Black Mirror episode or something where this is like you enter in some computer generated game show where you're analyzing three past relationships or two exes and the person you're currently dating or three people that you have dated in your life or alternate realities, different universes where this is a person that you could date and that's a person that you could date and that's a person that you could date, but you're getting the full relationship. What was it that went wrong in that relationship? Was it doomed from the beginning? Because clearly there just wasn't compatibility. It's really three stories in one, kind of a, a weird sci-fi version, <laughs> but not that there's any sci-fi in our show, but yeah, a lot more happens than would really happen on a dating show. One of the really fun characters to play is the host of the show. And the way Valerie's casting it, certain people are going to rotate through that. So we have different people playing the host of the show and they all bring a different personality to it. And I, I was thinking about that a little bit before, also in terms of the whole thing being like a dream or some type of fantasy world. And I was realizing that the host is very much like 
the character of Prospero in The Tempest. Prospero is kind of like this magical creature who can manipulate the situation and the other characters in order to put them in situations to force them to face their inner demons or to get their comeuppance for their villainy. And so the host has the opportunity to put people together in situations they might not have wanted to be in otherwise in order like the last person you might want to see now is your mother who was always browbeating you and made you feel insecure but guess what your mother is the secret guest on our show let's bring her on right now and that role is a ton of fun as you get to kind of shape and focus the elements of the dream in order to bring the characters through their journey now i can't imagine how much fun the cast members are having in rehearsal and just even with the premise of the show, two questions. How much fun are you guys having? And how are you deciding who is playing which role? Are you guys fighting over who gets to be the host? How's that determined, Valerie? First of all, we're having a really fun time. We've been really open to exploring new things and getting rid of some rules that we might normally have. So everybody's really enjoying it. Plus the, you know, suggestions are pretty ridiculous sometimes. And it leads to sometimes playing some kind of goofy characters, especially at the beginning of the show. And then in terms of the casting, who gets to play what role, there's really only the the casting for the host character. It's just who's interested in playing this. I want everybody to to be able to play whoever they want to play. So it's really open and I think the one person who will not be playing the host who thought they would, would be me. Cause I thought well, I'll probably play the host because I'm not sure if anybody else will want to do it, but we've had a lot of interest and I think, okay, well, I, that's good. Cause that's a really t- difficult role. And maybe I'll be better focusing my energy on other roles in the show, but otherwise everybody will just be rotating around and playing all different roles. It sounds like it's going to be really easy for the audience to put themselves in the places of the contestants or the bachelor or bachelorette person. What are you doing to wrap in the audience? How are you going to do it? If you don't want to say, I don't blame you. How are you going to ask for their suggestions? Mm, This will be a type of suggestion getting where we, I haven't ever done this in a show with Synergy, but I have been to a show where they did it once we will be having people write suggestions as they enter into the stage. And then those will be the host's cue cards for introducing each contestant and the bachelor. So, Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have that. And then we're playing around right now also with the idea of allowing one or two moments in the show where we'll get suggestions directly from the audience. I think they'll have, fun. I think that they will feel engaged the whole time because it is so goofy. And I also think when somebody gets their card read and they recognize that it's their card, it, it will be so exciting. And people will hope that there might be opportunities for another card to be drawn during the show. And I think that will keep people on their toes, hoping that their card gets drawn. <laughs> That's a great idea. I love that. So there'll be a, like a box up front when they first walk into the Vukasan theater, right? At the Walnut Creek Lesher Center. That's the plan so far. Yes. Okay. And uh, they'll write down their suggestion per, I'm guessing a prompt there. And then the cast will bring the suggestions on stage and, and read them as the play unfolds. That's a super fun, super engaging, well thought idea for the audience. That'll be very, very fun. Part of the idea with the show is 
the audience should feel immersed in an experience that as if they are the live studio audience of this taping. So we are at all moments will be acting as if that is the case. As performers, as characters, we will be looking at the cameras, which in our minds will be right around the front row somewhere, but the people should feel as if <laughs> they are in the live studio audience and they just can't see the cameras. We're really going to try to not break that fourth wall. And uh, the host will be talking to the audience like they are a live studio audience. Oh, I can't wait. That's going to be so fun. I'll try to get a spot in the front. So as the rehearsals progress right now, how many rehearsals have you had? Four or five, I think. That many already, yeah. Okay. And you're feeling fairly comfortable at this time, I would imagine, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's really come together. Okay. And as the rehearsals progress, are you hoping to bring something in that's even more on top that didn't occur before? Well, what, one of the things is these breakout scenes when the show goes into commercial breaks. So we have the host character and the host character kind of has a relationship with the production assistant who is this offstage character, but on our physical stage. So there'll be a kind of offstage backstory sometimes that develops between those two characters. And then there'll be relationships that develop between the three contestants when the show is not currently filming. So again, it's still on the set of the show in front of the studio audience, but we take a break from the filming and everybody goes over to the craft services table where there's like coffee and muffins for people to eat. And there's dialogue that takes place during these breaks between different parties that continue the story and deepen the story that's unfolding on the actual show. What kind of research have you been doing to get ready for this show? For example, for the Hitchcock run of shows, I know that all of the casts immerse themselves in everything Hitchcock and studied up there. And then also for Myth and Magic, you guys did some research there as well, as far as mythology goes and world stories from different cultures. So are you guys watching endless episodes of <laughs> The Dating Game? What, what else? I have to be honest in that, you know, everybody comes to rehearsal and says, oh, I just watched so many YouTube videos of old episodes of the dating game. And I think that's great. I, to be completely honest, I myself, I have not been because I don't want it to limit me, I guess. So my research has been of the time period of what were, how are people talking? How, what were people saying? What were people wearing? But in my mind, research is just having had relationships in the past because this is really just a story about love and analyzing what went wrong in past relationships. I've had plenty of experience doing that before. So that's the research for me. Although a lot, most of our cast, I think is, is indeed watching the the dating game shows. And I, I've watched some, but I'm not spending too much time watching those. What about you, Ken? Yeah, I've been watching a number of them, and I used to not watch it when it was a thing back in the 70s. I didn't really um, key into it back then. But now I'm going back and watching it. And for one thing, it's fascinating just to see the hairstyles and the clothes and the um, you know, the gender normative role that people fell into and the way men and women spoke to each other back then. But the other thing, just out of a curiosity, is that I learned... There were a ton of really famous people that 
either got their start on the dating game or maybe went on it as a step towards their career. I don't know. But people like John Ritter and Steve Martin were on the dating game as contestants. And the list goes on and on, all of these famous people. So that's kind of fun to go back and see these people, you know, when they were like, in their late 20s making these like corny jokes on the dating game. It was really odd. And the other thing is I discovered this story about a contestant who was on the dating game who won and was chosen by the woman to go on the date. It turned out this person was a serial murderer and then eventually got caught. <laughs> yes, that is a true story. And so the other element with this is the bachelorette. She chose this contestant based on the 15, 17 minutes that was filmed and his voice and whatever. But then I guess after the show, when they're planning on going on a date, I think she actually went to the producers and said, uh, never mind, I, I do not want to go on a date with this guy because I'm getting some, some very creepy vibes from him. It's a really good thing that she did not go on the date with him. In the end, she didn't go on the date with him. And then eventually he was caught for, for being a serial killer. For real. This is mm -hmm. really for real. Oh, I think oh. that they're making a movie about it right now. Is that right, Ken? Yeah, Netflix is making a movie about this, coincidentally. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I think I may have heard that, but I think I dismissed it as like an urban, urban legend. legend. Yes, an urban legend. Yeah, uh, I'm scared to look that up now, actually. There, there's something interesting there, I think, about this blurring of the line between fiction and reality. And that's one of the themes that we play around with in the show as well. You know, reality TV, what an oxymoron that phrase is. But these game shows back in the 70s, the, date, the whole dating show phenomenon, that really is this concept of reality TV in which they're trying to do something real, like find love. But at the same time, it's all for the ratings and it's all arranged by the producers. And this story about the serial killer really kind of brings that into focus where there's this whole kind of fake world going on in which he is this upstanding, charming citizen who is about to go on this wonderful date and hopefully find love. But meanwhile, the reality behind that is that he's a serial killer. And, you know, when when does the reality blend into the fiction and how does that affect their lives? That's a great way of thinking of it. Yeah. Now, during rehearsals, are the other cast members, are they making suggestions to you, Valerie? Hey, Valerie, what if we did this? Or how do you feel about that? Or what, what's the input that you're receiving? Yeah, uh, absolutely. That That's happening a lot. This is a, a creative process. People have come up to me with ideas for things for the show that I hadn't ever thought of. And we've implemented those. It's been really helpful to have, have that help with the group. We have to make sure it all works. And we have to make sure that everybody who's doing the show is comfortable with that and understands what it is that we're doing. If you have people who, who don't understand it or don't agree, then you might have people not really clicking on stage. So it's very important to me that we're all in this together. Yeah. I think one of Valerie's strengths as a director is this enormous ability to allow people to try different things on stage without interrupting the rehearsal and um, suggesting that, no, I wasn't thinking of letting it go that way. Let's try this instead. Valerie has this wonderful <laughs> tolerance to just kind of sit back and let us experiment and let us do what we want to do. So all of these wonderful ideas are generated. But then at the end, because she has such a strong vision about it, she's able to say, 
well, I appreciate that we tried that, but I really don't see going in that direction. But nonetheless, all of those ideas get expressed. And then out of the four or five ideas, maybe there's one that's gold that stays in. But if uh, if she were more of the type of director that was trying to control things based on the blueprint in her mind, we wouldn't have that ability to generate all of those ideas. So it's really wonderful. And of course, I'm contrasting herself to me because um, <laughs> I directed all of the other shows. This is very exciting for me as the artistic director of the company, because this is the first time that anyone other than me is directing one of the main stage shows. And it's really eye-opening to watch another director work with the same people I work and try to achieve something similar to what I'm achieving and to see the different approaches. And I'm learning a lot from watching you work, Valerie. Thank you. Yeah, there there was definitely a moment, I think a couple of rehearsals in, where I really realized I have the final call. And at first that was scary. What if I make the wrong call? What if I, we have to let everybody work on this because I'm afraid of making a mistake, but I've gotten comfortable with it now and I can use my judgment to make that decision. So this has been a growing process for me, for sure. I'm not usually a very authoritative person. <laughs> so it's been a growing time for me, but I'm really learning how to, to say that exactly what you said, Ken, how to say that was really fun and we're enjoying this, but we're going to do this with the show or let's just say no to that one. But for instance, one thing that somebody else kind of brought in was Ross to really wanted the other actors, the extra people who aren't cast in the show, just be able to hop in to the show. At first we were thinking about just limiting it to only the characters on the show and that's how many actors will be in each show. But we have a lot of people in our cast and a lot of people want to be there at every performance. But it is hard for me to make that decision. Okay, well, they, you know, you can't be in all the shows. But then Arastu was really adamant to say, let's let's try to, <laughs> to have people be able to jump on stage and be a character's mother or an ex or somebody who is related somehow to one of the characters. And it's totally changed the show. It's been great. And it, it worked really, really well. And now we have these people who are not cast in the show who are still in the show and then they will play a, a big role. Are you bringing lessons that you have learned from the prior two shows to this show? So Hitchcock and Myth and Magic, are they informing the show at all? Yes, I, I would say every single show that we do is... A learning experience. One of the things we really took away from Hitchcock that we're really implementing into every single thing that we do is this concept of allowing there to be silence and space on stage. With Hitchcock, we forced ourselves into that because the genre, the suspense, you have to have that silence. You have to have room awkward dragging lengths of nobody talking to really draw out the suspense. But what we realized during that show is that is so useful to really bring out emotion and power in a scene. And so often in improv, we're nervous. We have this nervous energy where we don't want to leave any space. And as soon as you stop talking, someone else is talking and nobody wants there to be silence. The biggest thing that I took away from Hitchcock is really let there be space to not talk for a moment. Let the silence speak. That's a huge thing that I think I'm bringing into the show is giving ourselves space. You don't have to be the quick wit who comes up with something just to fill the silence. 
Ken, from you, I'd like to hear more about what it's like to not be in the director role. And I'd like to hear more from you about how fun it is, I anticipate, to see someone else take on that responsibility. Are you feeling like a kid again? What's it like? <laughs> yes, very much. It, it is really wonderful. And I hope this is the first of, of many, many times. I hope this is the first of many shows that you will be directing, Valerie, uh, because <laughs> you're wonderful. But on so many levels, this is such a wonderful experience for me. One is, yes, it is really, really fun to jump on stage in rehearsal and just throw myself into the character and the story and not be wearing that additional hat. Because as hard as I try when I'm directing and playing at the same time, I'm always trying to view the whole thing as the director while I'm trying to be in the moment as the character. And it's it's hard. Um, so not having to do that is wonderful. And there are moments where I, I will start to get into that head and think, wait a minute, this, this is not my job. I, I do not have to care about that. I only have to care about this person I'm pretending to be and be honest in that. So I love that and I'm having a blast with it. The other thing, as the artistic director of the company that is making me so proud and happy, and Valerie, I hope you agree with this, is that this is the first time someone other than me is directing the show. Valerie is one of, you've been with us for a while now with the company, Valerie, but there are lots of people in the company who have been there much longer than you and who have been improvising longer than you. Nonetheless, I think the company is doing a really wonderful job of allowing Valerie to be the director, of just investing her with the power and the status and being good followers, which is allowing Valerie to become the excellent leader that she is becoming. And I'm just very proud that this company can do that. I absolutely agree, Ken. Yeah, everybody has just been so gracious and it is an odd transition to be a cast member and as Ken said really one of the the newest cast members and these people who are my colleagues were all at the same level to take on this position where I'm an authority figure <laughs> they have been so kind to me I'm trying I hope nobody thinks I've gone power hungry I don't I don't think I give that off but they have all been been so kind to treat me with the respect and they haven't changed how they treat me. I think that's the other thing. They've always been so kind and courteous and always listened to what I had to say. And they've just made that transition so much easier for me by not treating me differently, just listening to me and, and okay, got it. Thank you. Yeah. It's one of those times I think where being an improvisational theater company is helpful because this is strictly an organizational development issue. A new leader comes on board. How do the people treat that new leader and how does that affect the personal dynamics and are people threatened by that? All of these things happen in all types of companies whenever someone is promoted up through the ranks. And I've been in improvisational theater companies where we were not successful in taking the way we treat each other on stage and using it to treat each other that way off stage to allow the company to function as an organization as well as the ensemble functions on stage. But like I said, I'm very proud and happy to see that that's not what's happening here. We have a really special group of people in Synergy Theater, I think, and we are absolutely succeeding in being spontaneous, making each other look good and building on each other's ideas off stage as well as on stage. Yes. And can I have to say that going off of your example for the past several years as 
the artistic director and the director of all the shows that I've been in so far that when as a performer, there have been times at the beginning when I first joined the company that I was very aware that, oh, well, Ken is, is the director and he's the authority on everything. He's in charge. But at the same time, <laughs> here he is on stage with me. And when we're performing, we're all the same level. There is nobody in power once you are performing on stage. It's really only the ability to be able to step from being one of the group, every single person of whom is very important and equal storyteller and just stepping out and saying, well, now I, I have the final say on the directorial items. Ken has always led by a great example as just being so very kind and humble and just one of us, first and foremost, a friend. And I learned from him to be that same way in improv and, and in this company, we're all equals. So it's just whose creative vision are we following this time? Valerie, have you noticed any difference in Ken and the way that he is rehearsing and performing outside of the director role? <laughs> I wouldn't say I notice a difference because he's, he's just, he's Ken, he's a performer. Maybe if any difference is just that he can let loose a little bit more and just have a little bit more fun with it. That's the note. That's maybe the difference I've, I've noticed is that since he isn't having to make the creative decisions on this, that he is just able to have fun. So, yeah. um, well, Valerie, can I flip the question around? How are you <laughs> feeling about the experience of being a performer in the show and the director at the same time? <laughs> yeah, it's difficult for sure. It sometimes is exactly as you mentioned, Ken, it can be hard to take off the director cap entirely while I'm performing because sometimes I'll be in a scene and realize I'm thinking about this as the director and I need to not think about this as the director for a while. I need to be 100% in the scene and then I can do the director stuff later <laughs> afterwards that we can see how it felt because you have to kind of gather notes <laughs> yeah. during you know, the show. Something yeah. I always say is that a, a wonderful improviser is four things at the same time, an improviser and an actor, a playwright and a director. So yeah. if anything, this is excellent practice to be able to incorporate that director's eye into mm -hmm. one's improv, even when you are not directing that specific show again. Exactly. You know, and sometimes I, I have noticed that those best there's something in us that tells us what to do. I guess it's improvisers intuition. I don't know if it's, it's the, all of those things acting in unison in our brains. What I realize is some of those best moments that I've ever had in a show performing where I feel like we're giving the truest performances, the most exhilarating, the most fun are those moments where I'm not overthinking it. And I'm just really in that moment. And all of those four people that you mentioned, Ken, are just kind of one person in, in my brain. So as the director of the show, I think I need to remember and remind myself, just be in it and experience it fully right now. And then we can talk about that later. <laughs> as an audience member, I want to suggest that what makes this company, Synergy Theater, so good in the way that they play together is it, from my perspective in the audience, is the love of story that you each have equally. And if there's any 
boss, it is that love of getting the story that needs to be told Mm -hmm. in that moment out and for the audience and to the audience. And that's what I would suggest. Each member of the Synergy Theater performing family, from my experience, watching you on stage has, what is the story that needs to unfold in this moment and how can I deliver it? What do you guys think? I completely agree with that. There are so many times where I'm just amazed at how all of the people on stage in a scene, they, we just hive mind as the story. It's like no one person will tell you, could tell you at that moment what is going to happen, but we all know, kind of know it in our, in our minds and we work together to it. But then there are also those moments where you're just genuinely surprised. And I love that. And it's like, oh my God, that was the best way for this story to go. And it genuinely surprised me, but it couldn't have been any other way. It was so great. Those are the best moments. Yeah, we speak about the three rules of improvisation being be spontaneous, make your partner look good and build on your partner's ideas. And I like to think that very quickly, the story itself becomes a partner. And the story itself is making offers that want to be accepted that no one individual improviser made. So everybody has to not only be paying attention to their fellow improvisers and building on their ideas and making them look good, but the whole ensemble has to be paying attention to the story and seeing, okay, what is the story offering? What does the story want or need to happen next? And often in order to accept that, you have to put your own ego on check because if you are concerned more with how are you going to get a laugh or how are you going to put the spotlight on you then you are almost necessarily ignoring the needs of the story so it takes a real maturity i think to sublimate your own personal moment to the needs of the story and allow the story to be primary it's a great way of putting it ken yes sometimes i feel like when I'm on stage, I dissociate a little bit and I, I'm no longer myself. I'm as if I'm reading a book, a really great book. And I'm just flipping through the pages going, Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. I can't believe she said that. Oh, I can't believe I just said that. Wow. And that's how it feels. Sometimes it just unfolds itself like a book. I think that it is integral to delivering even within the bounds of a format like the mating game, which sounds silly, but it, it is not a farce at all. Mm-hmm. I know that you will deliver this premise with gravity. And what I liked about the start of our conversation is right away, both of you were talking about the importance of relationships and yes, it's going to be silly and laugh out loud, funny, uh, but it's also going to be so much more than that because like I have said, the synergy performers are going to deliver whatever story is, is there that needs to be told. And then also taking their characters seriously and really speaking to the audience on what is it to be a human and try to make these connections in your life and find someone. And I'm really looking forward to the show. It's going to be wonderful. Valerie, you're perfect for this. What would you like people to know, audience members, as they're coming in off the street and they're coming in the door of the Vukasan Theater at the Lesher Center 
and they see that suggestion box and they're looking forward to having a, a fun time. What do you, what do you want them to take away from these shows? I want them to experience these relationships, as you said, and I, I hope when giving suggestions that people have a lot of fun with them and we need them to be really fun, but I hope that people don't make suggestions that are, are purposely unhelpful or so wacky or out of reality that they're too hard to play with because we're really going to be telling a good story. So I think what I want people to know coming in is that don't expect to see a goofy, dinky little short form, ha 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 ha, playing for jokes show. Come in and expect to be wowed and expect to be caught between all of these characters. Come in expecting to be wistful for a relationship or thinking, oh no, she shouldn't be with him because he's just not the right guy or to really come up with strong emotions for it. That's, that's what I hope people come in ready for and what people get out of it. Ken, how do you think that will happen and work? I think one of the reasons theater is so powerful and such an important part of the health of any community is because it allows people to connect with each other on these fundamental human levels. It's like the great leveling of the playing field because we get to come together with people we don't know and acknowledge we're all in the same situation, the same perilous situation of being human in a universe that frankly doesn't care that much about your happiness. So how do we deal with that? Well, at least we can all come together in this room and we can share the moments and give each other validity for our struggles. And the game, the mating game is about looking for love. And it's really hard. How many people are there in the world? And you're supposed to find the one person out of the entire world that you want to spend hopefully 50 years with day in and day out. That is ridiculous. But we are all playing that same game. We're all on that same game show. And as ridiculous as it is, Every once in a while, it works out and we can celebrate those times it works out and we can validate our failures when it doesn't work out because it's something that everyone experiences at some point in their lives and you are not alone. Anything else you guys want to say or make sure people know about the show? I just wanted to say to Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you for all of your kind words and praise. That means a lot. I yeah. really appreciate it. Oh, you got this. And Valerie J wishes she could be here and she is your number one fan as well. I hope that you guys come to the show and just have the time of your life. Oh, you know it. It's a blast. And I'm sorry. I just have to say, look how far we've come from the last time this was performed in public. Can oh, yeah. we, can we just have a minute and be like, oh my gosh, we had, I remember in when we were rehearsing for the dating game or the mating game on zoom, how many scary things were happening in the world at that moment. And doing the show felt like we were holding hands with each other and giving each other comfort and allowing each other space to grieve and to laugh and to love and to play and in a time where it was really scary. Nobody really knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And I'm just so thankful now that while we're still being careful and doing our best to stay healthy and watching out for other people, my life has 
return back to normal. And I'm just so thankful for that. It's really fun to revisit the show, knowing that for most of us, we're okay. Yeah. And it. it was incredible escapism for me as an audience member at the time. So much joy, really, just to watch it performed online. And then to consider now this present moment, I'm about to go see it in person <laughs> with my favorite people and it be in the audience, a live audience again. I just, it makes my head want to explode. It's, it's with joy. I just have to express that. I mean, look at us, look at us now, Ken. Uh, you know, as long as we're hearkening back to the early ages of Synergy on Zoom, maybe the very first or one of the very first shows that we ever did on Zoom was just a two-person show with me and Valerie Regalia <laughs> called yeah. The Life and Adventures of Peppermint Jones. And I hadn't thought of that in a very long time. But do you remember how that's kind of how it all started, wasn't I, it? I remember that one. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, Ken. Yeah, that was such a great experience and really got me to to loosen up a lot and just dive into. That was so much fun. Yeah, and I, I have to say that Valerie did a lot of work in those shows because it was Ken as Peppermint Jones. And as I remember it, Valerie was like 10 other characters. <laughs> I was every other character. Every <laughs> other character <laughs> complete with like wigs and hats and glasses right <laughs> and I think there was a couple scenes where you were different characters at the same time in the same scene <laughs> yeah I was doing the whole you know left side of my face right side of my face you know put on a hat I'm still not sure how you how you did that but in my memory you did it very well there were two <laughs> thank there you I'm still not characters. sure how I did that but, yeah. <laughs> that was very fun thank you both so much for taking the time to do this tonight. I cannot wait for the show and you both are awesome. Anything else that you want to say? Just back at you, Sarah, these podcasts you do are amazing. You are so wonderful and talk about being gracious and giving and supportive and making your partner look good. You make Synergy Theater look so good. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Absolutely, uh, Sarah, really, it's so true. Thank you, thank you so, so, so much. Such a pleasure to talk with you always, Sarah. Oh, good. That, that's what I aim for. And I can't wait to see you on stage. Thank you. Good night. Good night, guys. And that's our show. If you think improv sounds like fun, it is. If you think you'd like to try improv, it's easy. Just go to SynergyTheater.com and click on School of Improv. Synergy Theater offers beginner, advanced, and master classes. Synergy Theater is also on Facebook. Please rate, review, and follow this podcast. Your support makes a difference. Synergy Theater is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit that depends on the participation of current and future star supporters and improvisers like you. Thank you.